Welcome to the RVA Returners Podcast, your number one source for all things Final Fantasy TCG, sponsored by Ultimate Guard. Looking back on everything, it's been a wild ride. Now it's time to file this case away and get ready for the next one. Which, if it's anything like I expect, they'll be coming across our desk anytime now. John Opus Nine is in the rear view mirror. Do you do you see it back there? Dude, you, see, it, you, you know adjust what? your mirror. It's you closer it? than it appears, but uh, <laughs> it's still in the rear view mirror. Indeed, guys, welcome back to the next episode of the RVA Returners Podcast. I'm your host Chris Adams. With me on the case, as always. John Schreiner. John, say hi to everybody. How's it going, everybody? Oh, it is a wonderful Sunday morning. A little gloomy out. I know you said it was raining outside your door. It's a little overcast here, but you know what? Perfect got, weather for uh, detectives, dude. It, it, it's I, I feel like the rainy days are what we were born for. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But, you know, John, we're back again. You know, we're coming off the post-Nats, and I know you're kind of getting over your hangout hangover. I'm, I'm never over the hangout hangover because I just miss this community so much. But, you know, we've got a starting um, – well, I guess what I'm trying to say here is, uh, you know, Opus 10 pre-releases next week. We've got another crop of spoilers. Um, we're going to be spending this podcast just kind of kind of talking about like more of an Opus 9 retrospective and, you know, kind of what it meant for, you know, the game itself, how it impacted events, the, you know, 9 into 9.5 kind of thing. But, um, you know, John, before we even dive into all that, though, but how are you today? How's life treating you? Chris, I've got my – cup of coffee here i was just watching some excellent footage from the The meta potion tournament i haven't finished i don't even know the spoilers so Mm -hmm. uh, i'm sure we can talk about who wins or Mm -hmm. whatever uh in the news but i just am enjoying watching some of this content you know Mm -hmm. i I love that there's so much of this game being streamed by like players now i mean between the you know that, that we plug it every cast but between our stream and the fact that like all these local tournaments get streamed nowadays we've got a lot of people stepping up and to be commentators um and we're really starting to kind of flush out the coverage of this game and it's awesome because it gives me a lot of stuff to watch it's true it is very very true well and john you know like we you know we're fond of doing here um, we like to take all of that information, all that content, things that are going on in the community and just kind of you know put a little bow on it and wrap it up and put it into one place. You know, you're getting pretty good at this guessing game, John, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you, you know, take a stab at it one more time. Where do you think you can find all that information? And I guess that's why they call it the news. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, geez. All right, so guys, first up, we're going to lead off with probably what's going to be the last crop of spoilers. Maybe one or two might sneak in this week before we get like the full set dump. Um, which, because pre-release, if I'm not mistaken, I guess I guess the best way to start would be talking about an Opus 10 pre-release, which is actually next weekend, if I'm not mistaken. That's uh, November 2nd, November 3rd. Mm-hmm. I'm ready for um, a dump, Chris. 
Oh, dude. Because uh, usually we get we see the full set either like that Friday morning. Sometimes it's Thursday night, really depending on who has their hands on it, who gets it to us. You know, who who's the ace reporter that has the scoop first? You know what I mean? And I'm excited to see that. But, you know, the set so far has been really, really exciting. And this uh, this last crop of spoilers uh, kind of keeps that vibe alive. And, um, John, we're just going to dive in. We're going to start with uh, – we're going to go in order like we did last time because I've got the uh, the site pulled up with all the spoilers, fftcg.org, uh, which is a great site if you're looking for card images, spoilers, things like that. It's a really good site. Um, so we're going to lead off with a new Zach. John, it's a 4CP 8K Category 7 Soldier. Uh, when Zach or a Fire Forward enters the field, choose one forward opponent controls. Deal at 2,000 damage. When Zach or a Category 7 forward enter your field, choose one forward opponent controls and deal it 2,000 damage. John, this card's good. Chris, I this think is, that this is a card that maybe even two months ago people would be looking at a very different way. But yes. with how fire has been, and especially mm-hmm. if you, anybody out there listening, if you've played this deck or played against the deck... Um, you can see how powerful those ping packages can be when they're on mm-hmm. efficient bodies or, you know, when, when they don't cost you your entire hand. And Fire's mm-hmm. found this balance, finally, it seems. And I think that this card is perfect. I mean, in a lot of those decks, they're not playing the um, the Zac backup. Some people are, but everybody's playing mm-hmm. the Cloud Forward. You throw this guy in there, now all of a sudden, he's every Fire Forward that you play has this extra ping package. You're looking at the guys for Totten as, like, just just absolute crazy crazy value uh-huh. when they're entering the field. I think this is a really cool card. I think it slots into fire in a really cool way. Yep, absolutely. And uh, John, a card like this just kind of reinforces the importance of cards like <clears throat> Aerith, Yashtola, Minwoo, um, uh, what else? Uh, like 3CP Ash. Like these cards become very, very important because I can see, you know, a Fire Ice build that uses this guy because you're just playing, you know, because if you play this guy and play Furion, that's 8K to something. Um, you play the, this guy in the 2CP Cloud, that guy's putting 6K onto something. Well, and with Zach coming in, that's another 8K onto something. Like these little pings are going to add up very, very quickly. Um, and you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like it's, it, it, it's just such a really neat build around card. Like this guy just becomes a, just a lightning rod for removal. So yeah, cards really, really good. I, I think he's just really good. Super yep. solid. Cool. That Zach is uh, on like a nice cost efficient red forward. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, so the next up, John, we have the, the lat, what's the last card of the week for Opus 10. It's uh, our first ice legendary. It's a, uh, Coming out of her element, we have a 4CP Cloud of Darkness. She's an Ice Forward Category 3, 4CP 8K Wraith, uh, Job Wraith. Um, her text, she has a lot of text here. Uh, when Cloud of Darkness enters the field, you may put one character you control into the break zone. When you do so, your opponent selects one dull forward he or she controls put it, and puts it into the break zone. When Cloud of Darkness attacks, each player selects up to two active characters he or she controls and it says in parentheses select as many as possible dull them and freeze them mm-hmm. john this card's neat um it's a very neat controly piece um i think the first ability is pr- you know kind of the big one 
Um, but I think the second one can kind of get off the rails when you're looking at, um, th- you know, in conjunction with a card like Garland, in conjunction with things like Scale Toad. Like, this is just such a good taxi kind of card. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I think that um, this card is definitely a intricate kind of control mm-hmm. card. Sure. Um, but it does a lot. Yeah, uh, and it's a really neat card. I think that this card actually would be a ton of fun to play in the right deck. So I, I already know people who are are building around this card. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, card solid. Yeah, I, I'm really interested to see kind of where it fits in. I think that there's going to be, and this just happens as you get more cards, right? And more like I don't want to say forced packages, but you know they put together synergies, they put together packages that like always make a lot of sense you know like this new upcoming Mm -hmm. world of final fantasy package and it just means that okay immediately now whatever mono fire is as we know it right now like that will still exist but also this entirely new waff mono fire Mm -hmm. will exist and it's like this cloud of darkness is kind of birthing another version of ice and i'm gonna be it's gonna be cool to see absolutely i agree now moving on john i think there's one we skipped in the huge dump last week um but stop me if you think we've gone over it it's a three cp zidane i don't remember if we've gone over this one i know this one was a community spoiler yeah you know what? i saw it last week and i was like did we we must have gone over this and chris is just so confidently passing yeah. it by yeah i don't and know well, I, <laughs> it's I saw okay let's hit it this week let's hit it this exactly there's, so just it's another, another zidane three, so yeah another zidane uh He's a 3CP 5K. He's very reminiscent of the old Opus 1 Legend Zidane. Um, he says uh, Zidane does not receive damage from summons or abilities, um, and Zidane cannot be blocked by a forward of cost four or more. Um, that's a really, it's a really solid common. I think this will be a card that can kind of, you know, kind of get you there in limited. Um, but I think, you know, I, he's probably fine in title, but I think, you know, when it comes down to it in a constructed deck, you're playing 3CP Zidane or you're playing the 4CP Legendary Zidane. And even or if you want Zidane. Zidane that does what this guy does, which we haven't for a while, we have mm-hmm. one. It just seems weird. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So we can just kind of move right along from mm-hmm. that one. John, now now we're getting to one that... Oh, Boy, I'm glad I'm sitting Shivers down your this timbers, one. Chris. This, this, this is the one that really just rustles my jimmies, and I'm Let really glad I saw it. All so it. it's a 3CP it's a no-no, another no-no. This is the third one we've gotten, and it's a 3CP uh, Category 12 job moogle win backup. It says when a Category 12 forward enters your field, choose one backup you control and activate it. Now, John, I think this card's... uh, So I'm just going to lead in with its most busted implications. Um, I think this card is absolutely nonsense in title. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're playing... I mean, clearly, um, the value it generates over the course of the game is just absurd. Um, So I would not be surprised to see this card kind of go the way of Jesse. They either ban it or they unban Jesse. Which I think... I think... If they're going to let this one ride, I think they can attempt to let Jesse Jesse ride. Yeah, it that basically has even higher ceiling than Jesse. Like, Very much like, so. It's like uh, every single Final Fantasy twelve card is like minus one. Exactly. Exactly. Now, what this means for constructed, John? Obviously, you know I've been racking my brain trying to crack the code on Sky Pirates, and um, I'm, and I'm in. Here's the thing, right? There's decks with small Sky Pirate packages already exist. I mean, that's we're not there. There's nothing new there, but I'm talking about like 
a, a deck that just really, I mean, we're taught, we're taking advantage of Rickon, we're taking advantage of Fran, we're using Philo, we're drawing cards off of Elza. We're talking about a legitimate <laughs> Sky Pirate tribal deck. Dude, you have the corkboard um, up on the wall, and you have uh, pictures of all of them, like with right? like, strings going between them. And, and there's like, one big card in the middle, which is with a question mark. mark on it. And I think... I think Nodo is one of the fucking, like, the he's like the Jack. He's yes. like the Jack, Queen, King, but you're looking for the Ace. That's right. <laughs> and um, I think Nono is a huge part of that because you you do get some of these really neat value turns now. Like, you know, a lot of these guys that cost four, I mean, they still cost that up front, but now you're unable to untap backups. Like, And the big ones you're looking to untap are ones like Ondor, um, Pinello, the ones that buff your guys. Because mm-hmm. um, if you if you can get multiple uses out of Ondor, and I think there's a world where you might be even playing the Aria backup. Oh, yeah. Because being able to play a dude, play Aria, untap it, tap it to buff all your guys. Like Your guys are just going to start getting pretty absurdly huge. Um, I think this this was that missing piece. Because now, because the biggest problem I was having, not to kind of, because I'm, I'm actually going to be doing a video on kind of like a Sky Pirates like primer for anybody who wants to play that deck. Um, the reason I'm kind of gushing on this card is the biggest problem I was having, and anybody who's in my group chats knows that the the issue I'm running into, it's like, man, I just feel like I'm playing a much less efficient wind water deck because let's be honest, we're 10 sets in and YRP is just still really fucking stupid, right? Just the value yeah. that those that that package generates. But now we have a backup off of No-No, and now we have a card like Elza. Now you kind of have a small you know, value engine there where you've got a 2CP. It's going to draw a card and activate a backup now. Um, and then you're able to kind of keep generating that value as you play these forwards. Like, you know, you're looking at a card like you know, the, the Collected Company Vaughn. Mm-hmm. You play that guy for six. You, you hit another Category 12 character off of that. That's two backups you're untapping. And then at five damage, you're untapping a third one. Um, and then say if you you know you hit, you go to Vaughn into Ball Fear, and then you look at the top five again and grab another Sky Pirate and you end up playing Elza or Philo. You know, you've un, you've they've kind of paid for themselves really just, you know, you're netting CP really, or you're coming very, very close to breaking even. So... I think Nono is definitely one of those missing pieces, and I think the card is really, really good. If you're looking to play any sort of 12, a deck with any kind of 12 package, and when I say 12 yeah. package, I mean, like, the, the majority of your forwards need to be Category 12 to really mm-hmm, get mm-hmm. the use out of this. But I think this card is that missing piece that I was looking for, and as soon as I saw it, I was like, this is it. This is this is the value piece that I needed. So Yeah, um, it's definitely a really strong card. Like you said, um, mm-hmm. the YRP is a value engine, right? But mm-hmm. it doesn't actually synergize with too many of the top payoff cards, right? It mm-hmm. just kind of gives you the value to use all the payoff mm-hmm. cards, and Wind and Water is full of them. But yep. like you said, the Sky Pirates actually synergize with one of the new big payoff cards we're seeing for Wind and Wind Water, which is the Vaughn. Yep. And so yep. it's actually really neat that they do have some synergy with the payoffs, and that Fran and things like that can become payoff cards. Well, um, and what's also great, so there's, too, there's it's almost not more just rewards. limited... No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, there's almost more rewards, and you can still access the same payoff cards that the other deck yeah. could access. Well, and what's also great too, it's not just limited to Sky Pirates. You have cards like Ash that is going to activate this. Mm-hmm. Uh, big beaters like Yizamat that mm-hmm. are going to uh, trigger this. You know what I mean? So yeah, you, know, you just have these real. Other, you know, it's just the fact that it's category and not Sky Pirate is absolutely huge. But I can 
could gush on that card all day, but be on the lookout for that video. I'm actually going to be working on that today. So that'll be out hopefully this week. Um, now the next card, John, we have a, a, a really, uh, this is a card that kind of had us, we had to like read it a few times, right? <laughs> and it, uh, it's an earth forward type zero, uh, three CP seven K job, Royal advisor in Kidu Urk. Uruk. Uruk. Um, yeah, sure. Sounds good. These guys are off the rails. Uh, so the cost reply, uh, required to play a card named Black Tortoise Lassie Gilgamesh onto the field is reduced by three, which means he's now a four CP instead of a seven CP. And then you can put a Kidnew uh, into the break zone and choose an Earth Horde you control and dull it, and it can't be broken this turn. So it's like a, a Titan on a body, which I think is kind of cool. Um, John, what do you think? Um, it's in Kidu, which is the name of Gilgamesh's bird, right? Uh-huh. So it's like, uh, I assume there's going to be a new Gilgamesh that this guy mm-hmm. uh, is good for because I don't, <laughs> the other one is like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a super medium card. Uh, the yeah. Titan on the body is pretty cool. This guy, if especially if there's a Gilgamesh, is going to be a hell of a guy for limited. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, no, no, he's just like, he's pretty medium. Yeah, no, I agree. Room I agree. temperature. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Lukewarm, they say. Now, um, so next up, we have another lightning backup. It's a 2CP, another type 0 backup. His name is uh, Kalia Sh- uh, Cheval, mm-hmm. um, job chancellor uh, for lightning and tap. Put Kalia Cheval into the break zone. Choose one category type zero card in your break zone and add it to your hand. Uh, I think this card might as well just say grab Bahamut zero, put it in your hand. Yeah, card's good. Uh, it has like yeah. exactly the correct amount of no restrictions at all on its yep. ability. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly the perfect right amount of none at all. Yes. Yeah, the card's fine. Card's fine. <clears throat> um, now moving on, uh, we got another. This one was spoiled with Zach. Um, it's another uh, another Kukulin. Oh yeah, dude. This guy is also one of the full arts too. Yeah, I think I'm I'm a big fan of a uh, big fan of these twelve summons, man. I love the art. Uh, it's another. Uh, I guess it's another Rev, uh, Revenant Wings one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one isn't a burst, which I think is actually really good. Um, it's a one CP Kukulin. Uh, choose a forward until the end of the turn. It loses a thousand power for each card in your hand. Um, if its power becomes zero or less by the previous effect, you can draw a card. Mm-hmm. Card's fine. It's a fine common. It's, I think it's going to be good against like the little weenie bodies. Yeah. Um, What's interesting so. to me is it's not, you know, if it goes to the break zone or something, which is what a lot of these effects usually mm-hmm. have. Like, this card actually mm-hmm. has to kill it, or it has to yeah. die via power reduction to zero, not power reduction mm-hmm. plus damage. Yeah. So it is actually a little harder than... I would like to draw the card yeah. off of this, but the yeah. price is right. So, yeah, no, I agree. I agree, and I think it's fine against little tiny bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then last spoiler was hot off the presses this morning. Uh, John, <laughs> do you still have this one pulled up? Yeah, I've got this bad boy. He's yeah, right here. I've been I've been talking about this guy <laughs> all since you know right before yeah. we started the cast here. We got yeah, we've been un- and hawing about it. <laughs> Unsaganashi. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Unsaganashi is a two drop. Wind Monster, Job Spook, Category 13. He is a multiplay card. Uh, put Unsaganashi into the break zone. Choose one forward you control. It cannot be chosen by your opponent's summons or abilities this turn. Oh, as if that wasn't good enough. Damage 5. Put Unsaganashi into the break zone. Activate all the forwards you control. They cannot be chosen by your summons opponents. Or, sorry, by your opponent's summons or abilities this turn. 
Man, so uh, Planet Aerith Protector got a bit of a facelift, didn't she? <laughs> he he basically ate Aerith. <laughs> <laughs> this guy he's he's got arm and wings and a shark fin, and he looks like he he ate the entire Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> all Dude. all to himself. Uh, he is this. I've never even seen an Armin with like more than like kind of like just its head as its body. This dude is mm-hmm. just a just a fatty. There's a lot happening here. Unsaganashi <laughs> yeah. is actually just crazy. It's an insane card. I mean, the implications of this card. This is a Planet Protector at damage five, and before that, it's just a complete like protection. Just a it, shutdown. It, yeah, it's just a shield. Com- it's literally it's, 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 an Alua shield. Yeah, and uh, it can't be chosen that turn, dude. It's better than the Alua shield. It negates something. It makes it an illegal target for whatever has chosen it, and yeah. it prevents it from being targeted by. And it's only opponent stuff, so it's not like a double-sided thing, like cockatrice mm-hmm. or something. And it, this guy's stackable. It doesn't mm-hmm. automatically trigger like Cleone mm-hmm. or Hill Gigas or Tonberries. So you just kind of decide whenever you want to. You can just stack these up. And uh, this thing, I mean, we've seen people replaying Laox and stuff like this with uh, Larkisius lately. This guy mm-hmm. is easy to play off a Ranger. Uh, well, he's 2 CP. You could play like some sort of Wind Water Monsters with Gal, and Gal can just keep getting these things back. Dude, these things are... This card is nuts. Yeah. It, 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 is the, it is in that sweet spot of it costing a really, really great amount. And it's in a color that you can easily interject it into all, any deck that has monster synergies, like 100%. Card is fucking solid. What a common, dude. What a common. Dude, what an answer. What an answer. <laughs> I'm going to just scream it out loud as I slam it onto the table. Every every time you slam it, every time you pop it and you blow somebody out with it, you just have to... It's like it's like somebody hitting somebody with a raging demon. <laughs> you know what I mean? But this, dude, this is really... Unsaganashi is a, is a crazy card. It's a crazy card. This card is good. Yes. www.thiscardisgood.com Backslash, what the fuck? Don't go there. Hold on, we don't. I don't endorse that. That might be, <laughs> yeah, might be one of those, <laughs> one of them hanky panky sites. <laughs> oh no, not one of those. It's a trap. <laughs> but um, but yeah, that's all the spoilers. And I would, ex- I mean, I could expect maybe one or two to kind of sneak through over the course of the next couple days. But um, again, pre-release is this weekend coming up, so we're going to see the full set within the next seven days, right? I'm so, ready, Chris. I'm ready. I, I'm ready because there. Are, I I think there's a couple more sky pirates. Like we have yet to see the. There's a, still a Vaughn we haven't seen where he's like sniffing his finger. Um, <laughs> oh so yeah. Still that oh one. yeah. And, I and the Pinello, like, that Pinello art. And I imagine there's a ball theater somewhere in here. You know what I mean? Like sneaking around. Yeah, he's sneaking around. He's just lurking around. Give be, me because you know what? you're going to get boy. Revenant Wings Vaughn and Revenant Wings um, ball theater. Yeah, and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. So, I'm fine give with me the boys. That, so. Give me the boys. Maybe another Bosch? Right. Maybe sneak one in? Maybe? Come on. Oh, hey. Oh, ooh, ooh. Maybe just... Uh, <laughs> yeah, just uh, I would love Maybe that. just slip one in with the, uh, you know, like an extra snack pack with my bagged lunch. Just Oh, thanks, Mom. Thanks, Fruit Mom. Come on. Know. Yeah. <laughs> Bosch with well, the bag then... of carrots, and then it's like, come on. Oh, Gushers. Whoa, another Bosch. <laughs> oh, man. No. Yeah. Like, I love it. I love fruit it. by the foot, dude. That's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting oh, to see a fruit by the foot. I'm waiting to see a fruit by the foot this week. Oh God, please, please. And then, uh, so yeah, so Opus Ten pre-release uh, next uh, is next weekend coming up. Like I said, and from what, if I'm not mistaken, these kits we've gone back to the nine pack pre-release what? kits. Nani? Is this true? Yeah, 
Uh, that's what I've heard. Is now, this a fact? I've, I've heard that it's nine packs uh, in this pre-release game. Please, uh, oh, jeez. You were hacking into the mainframe over here. We're deep. We're deep inside. Deep in Final Fantasy TCG North America. Deep yep. in the lab and the fruit by the foot. That's right. <laughs> the fruit, or no, the fruit roll-ups had the lab. Yes. Yeah, they, they're like... roll-up factor. They're like, like literally like six-year-old kids with full-blown professor get-ups. They're like, Is, <laughs> will it work? And they're like, are you doing tongue tattoos on the kid? <laughs> Just... Like, it's a breakthrough. They had the ones where you had to like peel it out of the rest of it as if it wasn't all made out of the same thing, and then you oh, like don't know what to do with the rest of it, so you just kind of like roll it up into a ball and with your palms and just eat this big ball yeah, of just, fucking just sugar, put it in your, like, <laughs> like a baseball player with a dip in the outfield. <laughs> oh, you're the king of the playground now, man. You, got, you know what's up. Oh goodness. <laughs> oh. We get each other going here on the on the podcast. I was I think you just, I think you just the named the episode, man. King of the playground. King, yo, I am the king of the playground. That's what, that's what this new Vaughn's going to be sniffing his finger. He's got the fruit roll up packed into his, his <laughs> lip. Right. He's the king of the playground. I like, um, can't wait for. I run sixth grade. What do you, what do you know about this? <laughs> I run sixth grade. You know, if you want to play tag, you got to go through me. That's right. <laughs> oh Jesus. Yeah, so like I was saying, I'm pretty sure it's nine packs this time around. I've heard that from people in my community. Um, I've heard that you know that does lead to a bigger uh, price tag for entry. Um, I've heard it kind of teeters right there around the forty dollar mark for most stores. Which again, I think that's fine because you're still getting the sleeves. Hot damn! It is nine. Promo. It's nine. Yeah, so you're still getting sleeves. You're still getting promos, and you're still getting you're still getting the promo. And you're still getting nine packs. That is absolutely fine. I'm I'm in. I mean, I also remember the the promo that's in that is the uh, Titus, which I think is a fine uh, card for water. Dude, I'm ready. Um, I'm ready. Yeah. So, uh, so next next up in the news, John, you know, we'll kind of do a uh, real quick Octagon uh, State of the Union. Uh, you know, the weeklies were going well. well I was actually really surprised coming off uh, coming off of Nats weekend. We had a you know a really solid showing on Wednesday. Um, we got to see some paradise. We got to see some. Oh boy! Shit. We got to see, got some, to see some Nick Chanel bullshit, man. It was just a wild. Played by Chocobo Joe. Yeah, we had uh-huh. Rice come by. We had Chocobo Joe come by. A couple people who don't play that often, and uh, all yeah. the regulars were showing up. It was great. We thought that it was going to be a small event, and uh, registration town. was just popping off. Yeah, Sam Tool, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, I think Tabe Johnny came by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of awesome people were playing. Alan Shu. Yeah, I believe it was his first time on the uh, on the on the weekly, and of course the you know the Sedlovs and oh yeah the, the usual Tawa, suspects. Mr. Richter, so. yes, all of our all of our and Gino, not to leave anyone out, guys. Absolutely, this was the first time I believe Colin Rupert did not play. Yeah, yeah. that's okay. Also, he he worked hard, man. This is a long yeah, weekend. Absolutely, and I know I, I said it, I said it while we were um, you know doing the commentary for it last week. I'm actually going to play next Wednesday in the uh, Octagon event. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Now this will be, you know, I mean, it's probably the last Opus 9 event. Mm-hmm. I mean, gonna have assuming it, sure. it's up to them, man. As soon as they get it up on Octagon, that's when we start. So Absolutely. it should be, Hopefully. but potentially next Monday, I'm not sure. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and that's not the only thing we've got going on. We actually got a couple of, you know, local events happening. Um, we have a fun one coming up the weekend after pre-release. Um, typically, you know, Top 8 Johnny, a mainstay around here, he does a little birthday event. You know, last year we did, uh, and we actually streamed it last year. I don't think we're going to do that this year. Uh, we did the Cecil Cup. Uh, it was kind of a, we did draft, we did standard, and we did pauper. 
um, which was a lot of fun. It was just a really, really fun event. We streamed it, you know, kind of brought some light to, you know, people were curious about Popper and people were looking to our deck list as far as like, oh, cool. This is, you know, it's actually a really fun, neat format. This year we're kind of, you know, we're, we're taking it one step further and we're going to do something a little more fun. We're going to do Opus 10 Constructed, which I think, which will be a lot of fun and good practice for the event the following week. Uh, we're definitely going to do some kind of draft. But as far as like the wild card, like the fun format, we're doing something called a band format, like band format. So all the cards that have been banned previously are now unbanned. Mm. But each player in the event gets to choose one card. And we're going to do this the week before. And they all get to choose a card, and that card is banned in that format. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so it gives everybody a week to build a deck. Like, say, you know, you're you know fixated on playing Fire Ice, and someone's like, well, Locke's out of here, or Edward's out of here, Sephiroth, uh, you know, like, I certainly hope someone, it's, I somehow hope, like, Gesper and Thaumaturge, like, sneak through the cracks. Some dickhead would play Turbo, me. Um, <laughs> you know, you could say Riku, then you could see that Wind Water nonsense. Like, the fact that, or Dottaluma, you know, Dottaluma. So, it, it's it's a very, you know, up-in-the-air kind of format. So, like, you, you have to, like, really choose wisely. Like, do you choose just, like, some kind of, like, do you choose Sephiroth right off the bat, or do you choose, like, some kind of utility card that could make shit weird, like, uh, Gestalt and Empire Sid. Figure that one out, stupid. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, it'll be a lot of fun. There will be, uh, you know, mimosas and booze to be had. It's just gonna be a fun weekend celebrating Johnny's birthday, so it'll be a lot of fun. Um, and then the weekend after that, we have the Ultros Cup, which we've, you know, shown details to. Um, we've got 50 uh, playmats. So, you know, the event... We wanted to initially cap the event at 50 because uh, the store we're having it at Jersey's can hold between 50, 60, you know, 70, I want to say max. Um, and we ordered the 50 play mats, but you know, we wanted to make sure as many people could play. We didn't want to do a hard cap and pre-registration at that store is a little difficult. Mm -hmm. So anybody who comes and get, you know, the first 50 in the door are going to get that beautiful, beautiful participation mat. And we're going to have trophies. We're going to have product. Uh, I know Adam Lane's donating a bunch of fun promos and prizes. Um, We've got, um, I've got some play, extra play mats here. We got packs of sleeves. We got all kinds of stuff for this event. So it's going to be just a really nice event um, to kind of get back in the swing of the villain series and kind of, you know, really take advantage of, especially with Opus 10 being, you know, released the week before. So it's going to be just a really nice event to, you know, showcase some Opus 10 brewing and just, just a really good time with the community here. Um and then, uh, you know, speaking of good times with the community, um, you know, there was a Meta Potion event this week. And, John, that's what you said you were kind of watching before we got started. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to say it was uh, uh, White Mage. Is that his name? Uh, I know it's his handle. David Nunez. Uh, David Nunez, yeah, who actually won the event. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I know. Um, Congratulations. I, I just saw a little bit of it. I was at work pretty much all day yesterday while it was going on so i kind of like saw a little bit of it that i did you know just a lot of back and forth but uh i'm actually gonna you know check that out at some point today but i know david nunez actually won the event so big congrats to him i know that's uh you know those meta potion events are you always see some really fun decks and just a, i think that's a great send-off to opus nine on that side of the country for sure mm -hmm. yeah um one more piece of news, John. Unless you know, it's how you were going to interject something that I didn't mean to. No, no, just no, no, fly no. Go ahead. The headlines here. No, please. I have nothing to interject. Right, so one. <laughs> Fair enough. One. Uh, one last thing we're uh, we're doing. Um, Adam Lane, Lane and I we're going to be doing, and we've done this before. 
Um, Extra Life is something that we've done in the past. Um, and for those who don't know, that's usually like it's a gaming marathon for, you know, for various charities. And the one we chose was the uh, Children's uh, Miracle Network Hospitals. Um, and we do, well, last time we did it, we donated. I want to say got got it right around the $500 mark, which was our goal. You know, nothing crazy. Um, and we're doing that again this year. Um, you know, we're going to be playing a bunch of different games. I actually posted the schedule on our um, on our uh, Returners Facebook page. Um, we're, it's, it's a group of us. We're all going to be doing something different. I know um, the thing that me and Adam are going to be doing is we're going to be doing Final Fantasy VII. We're going to be, like, playing through Midgar, and that's one of the last um, – last games of the of the stream and uh the other one i'll be doing is i'll be playing through uh mike tyson's punch out because that's yeah. my favorite favorite video game of all time and i'm usually pretty hammered by the time we get to that so trying to be you know playing through and trying to beat mike tyson that's still uh, to me one of the hardest video game bosses of all time he is definitely a uh, a shitter get off the pot kind of video game he'll make you scream like his wife dude that's <laughs> oh, right <laughs> Try. He'll let you have it. First minute and a half, baby. Once you pass the first minute and a half, you're gold. But uh, we're doing that, so you know, feel free to tune in. I, I don't, you know, I'm not. I never ask anybody to donate things like that. Uh, but if you want to, it's always for a good cause. Um, it's just a lot of fun. Just you know, let people do what they love for a cause. That's just, I don't know, man. Just for the kids. It's for the kids, John. It's for the kids. For the wee little ones. For the wee lads and lasses out there. So. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. We're going to have fun doing it. So we got a lot, a lot of stuff coming up. We're going to be some busy boys um, next couple weeks. And I know you're coming down for the Ultras Cup. Uh, the Jersey Boys coming? Have they confirmed? Dude, I have not uh, yet pride, but I'm sure okay. that I'll have somebody okay. in the car well, along for the, the ride. Oh, yeah. We've got the space. So. Dude, you know I don't like to come down solo. I like to bring some friends. Indeed. Indeed. Also, I even gave Sam Tool the invite. If he's coming up, he's got a roof over his head while he's here. So. All right, dude. I'd love to stay. i got to check out the new office. Yeah, so come on down. Come on down. All right. All right, I'm on my way. I'm coming over. All right, come on down. All right, I'll be right there. All right, and that's uh that's all the headlines we got for this week. You know, kind of a lighter week as far as things go. I mean, we are kind of in that uh that that between season lull. The calm before the storm. Indeed. And John, what better way to kind of take advantage of that I guess that downtime for lack of a better way to put it than to give Opus 9 the send off and just kind of give a, a quick retrospective. And that's what we're going to do for our main topic today. Um, it was a ride, man. Opus nine was a, um, cause it, if you go back through the competitive season, the first half of the competitive season in North America, and just, I mean, just in general mm-hmm. was Opus eight. Um, the first crystal cups, uh, petite cups, I believe were Opus. I want to say petite cups may have even been Opus seven. And up through uh, what, all of our crystal cups season. through Virginia. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Richmond, Virginia was the last Opus Eight Petite Cup, and we mm-hmm. talked about that with De- you know with Death Machine and all that other stuff. Well, Opus Nine was released right in the like near the end of July, like July nineteenth. I want to say like two weeks after the Richmond Crystal Cup, mm-hmm. making Arizona the which was a month a couple months later the first Crystal Cup in Opus Nine, but and it was right before nine point five. But we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here. The Opus 9 kind of started with a bang. There was a Dada Luma was banned right before the set released. Mm-hmm. And it feels like forever oh, ago now, doesn't it? It does. It does. And that really opened the floodgates for a lot of things. Um, Fire Ice was fine. I mean, Fire Ice was popular in Opus 8, but now, you know, with Dada Luma completely off the table, it was able to kind of go. Um, there wasn't that. Wait, no, that had gone before. Decade. 
Pretty much, yeah. There yeah. was that you know because Earth, uh, Wind Earth had always kind of just been like an auto loss for that deck because of just Dottaluma Cactuar just really just killing all your shit before you could even mount any kind of offense. Um, so that deck kind of went. I don't want to say unchecked because it wasn't the end all be all. We'll kind of get to kind of what was in the beginning of Opus Nine, but it, it opened up. I guess what I'm saying with the Dottaluma ban, it opened up a lot of just a lot of avenues for deck that were previously unplayable mm -hmm. and, and wind earth was still playable they just kind of went through this uh this identity crisis for a while a metamorphosis um, from a caterpillar indeed. to a beautiful butterfly absolutely so um now what we're going to do is just kind of talk about like the events and kind of go through then we'll actually go through to kind of finish off the retrospective i actually have notes from our set review of you know, just I didn't go through every single card because uh, you know we'll, we'll get to that. We'll talk more about that. I don't want to put the cart before the horse. Mm -hmm. But John, in the first half of Opus Nine, the real big, um, I, I guess, I mean, problem is the best way to put it. Um, Wind Water was just this relatively unstoppable juggernaut. Um, obviously, it was it was dominating the majority of the field and events. Um, it was always like, you know, it was making up, you know, half to two thirds of top eights at events. Now, granted, it was sometimes it wasn't winning these events because Mono Ice somehow was just beating it right there at the end. But I think Mono I felt was like, also pretty prevalent at the beginning. Of, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, what was happening was it was just this really crazy deck where Riku was just really punching out of her weight class. You know, and we talked about this on the podcast when Riku eventually got banned after Gen Con. That this card just was doing way too much. Like all of a sudden, we were playing games where if you couldn't win fast enough, you just weren't going. You weren't going to win, and your opponent wasn't going to lose. I know that sounds really silly, but the the wind water player didn't have to win. They just kind of had to sit there, mm -hmm. and they were milling you for three, four, five cards a turn like clockwork, and just kind of just kind of hate fucking you out of the game. Um, and that was a problem, right? Because um. Now, I know, John, I know in your local area, I know some people were playing that around there, and a lot of people were playing it around here. I mean, shit, I played um, Riku, man. Uh, yeah, it was... The thing was, the card was so good that, like, I like to play with water that still did attack and still did go for the mm -hmm. 7 damage, but why not also just play Riku? It turns out, like we were saying before, the YRP engine is so efficient, and the mm -hmm. Riku is such a positive... It's just a way that you can always invest any extra CP... Yep. Like, make every reactivation worth mm -hmm. even more. And you're just getting so much free value because even when you're not milling them out, you're just milling their potential plays, like their cards, yeah. just the options of theirs. Yeah, the you, you are denying them so much CP over the course of the game that it's just... And then, you know, with the introduction of cards like Yizamat and just, just the deck became out of control because of Riku. Mm -hmm. And she was eventually banned. Mm -hmm. um, and then soon after that, um, cause I want to say, John, correct me if I'm wrong. I can't remember my timeline here. The Opus, the Opus 10, the two player starter deck, which we lovingly call Opus 9.5. That was not available at Arizona, correct? Um, so the Riku ban went into effect and the cards had come out. Gotcha. They the weren't legal were yet. legal for a crystal cup level event for another week. That's right. That's right. So Riku was banned the the day the day before the Arizona Crystal Cup. So Arizona Cup. Crystal Cup was a shadow tournament in a mm -hmm. fake meta, <laughs> but it yeah. changed everything. Yeah, because I think that that brought a lot of freedom, like so much freedom. Mm -hmm. The deck choice well, and deck construction. 
It did, and I want to say Arizona was where we saw the uh, the beginning of these Fasoya decks. Yeah, that was where um, Fasoya really came into its own, and the Agrius decks, mm-hmm. and, and the Agrius decks immediately became a like a tier one archetype staple. Yeah, and um, the Moogle deck uh, mm-hmm. was still, you know, uh, basically created this new style of deck that everybody was playing with these just this rainbow. Mm-hmm crazy payoff card decks um like mm-hmm. you said we're just like busoya decks really we're at sephiroth value high 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 you know high value on these late game cards because you mm-hmm. hadn't really been able to play these late game decks when riku was around yeah because the, the more cards you drew the more you dug the the faster you were just itching to lose the game um and then then the um the starter deck cards became legal again this kind of ended with opus 9.5 and you know these cards were very impactful vaughn as we saw in you know nationals was very very huge uh terra terra um kind i'll get to terra in a second because that just kind of created or just really brought fire from no pun intended out of the ashes into a just a legitimate meta player um but Vaughn being the big one, um, it gave, you know, because Wind, Windwater after the Riku band it was kind of doing what Wind, uh, what Earth Wind was doing, kind of going through an identity crisis. With, uh, some people were just had already written the deck off. Some people were like, oh, it's in. I, w- I know I was one of the people that said, you just literally swap in the other Riku. Mm-hmm. You know, now you just have to play a little bit more of an honest game with the deck, which you could always still do because. You know, before, you know, this crazy Riku Mill deck, you had, you know, Yuri Chalinka decks. Um, but the other big addition to Wind Water that kept it kind of in this really weird spot was Porum. Mm-hmm. Uh, Porum just created, you know, and we'll kind of talk more about Porum when we go through just some of our notes on some of the cards. Porum just really changed the way blue cards got played. Um, just being able to recycle all these summons um, with no restriction whatsoever changed, you know, the way you play, you know, water and wind water. Because, you know, you start seeing Lena come back. You saw in some lists, you saw fucking King Tycoon in the backup line because it was a burst and it got you Lena, which got you Porum. Leonora <laughs> started getting pulled out of binders to search for Porum. Um and then you started seeing Wind Water. Like, Wind Water after the Riku Band didn't just immediately go back to the Crystal Chronicles engine with Yuri and Shlinka. It just kind of became this, here's Veritas. We're just going to still kind of play this value game, but now I just keep your forwards off the board with, you know, Famfrit. You started seeing them use the big, uh, you know, big deep dish Famfrit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Veritas just to kind of make sure they couldn't go wide. Then you just you just beat them to seven. And then coming down the home stretch, you know, as you saw at Nationals with Sam Prime playing Earth, Wind, Fasolia, still using a lot of bursts. Um, water, Wind, Fasolia. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Water, Wind. <laughs> I apologize. Um, you started seeing, you know, again, you're using all these bursts, you know, Big Yuna, uh, Riku. Just, and sometimes Riku just activating all your forwards was good enough. Um, I mean, sometimes she's know. just a 2CP backup with a great name. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, Windwater kind of went through this weird, it was the best deck in the format and was kind of just running away with everything. Then it just kind of disappeared for a small amount. And then it's it's back to being Windwater. Um, and then the other deck, like I said, the one that really kind of just really, I don't want it, to, it, it's been a long time coming, right? And that's Monofire. And I think Terra 
from the starter deck has been a big part of that. Just being able to recycle summons, being a burst. And another card that was really helpful in that, and again, we saw it at nationals through the, um, we saw it at um, European nationals. And, and there was a little bit different because they were using like Pasoya as well. But then we saw it at North American nationals from the uh, Project Zodiac guys. They were playing this really crazy mono fire control deck that oddly enough won by deck out most of the time. Yeah. Because you just couldn't get them to seven with all the just the all the recursion on these summons and just they were just being in your fur here. I hear eat nine k. Uh, we'll put seven k here and six k across the board. And then I'll just cleave you again. You know, just really, just really, really efficient removal. Um, that was Efrita, and that was a card that when we saw when we was it was first spoiled, we were very very um. Here's the thing. We liked the card. Like, we liked it. But we just didn't know where it went. Because, I mean, you look back at the beginning of Opus 9 versus where it ended. Mono Fire is a very, very... It's in a very different place. And I think a big part of that was because of Terra. Dude, it still should do more. Mm-hmm. Like, like Ifrida sees play, but it's still, compared to its sister summons, is mm-hmm. ridiculous. <laughs> but But, yeah. It, it it really just kind of brings that deck together. Um, and other fire cards that you you saw kind of just really um, just increase that value. And uh, ones that I don't want to say we were um, it's not one we were wrong about because uh, we're ta- I'm talking about Gaius Rattan and that whole mm-hmm. uh, that whole judge package. Um, we were pretty right on the money with Gaius and Rattan. Um, it was the other cards that don't see play because um, we were like Rattan's really good. Gaius is okay because you can get Rattan, but the rest of the cards he's tethered to is kind of trash. Mm-hmm. So we were pretty right on the money there because I think those cards are really, really good in certain fire shells. Um, and then obviously the, as far as the rest of mono fire goes um, or just fire in general, um, Nail. Oops. Nail ended up being a card that we were all actually very medium Oops. on. We thought the card was good. Like We were like, this is a good card and it's probably going to win you games. But I don't think we, any of us anticipated this kind of uh, this high noon standoff that takes place <laughs> once Nail hits the board. It pretty much that's what happens when Nail hits the board. You just you see the tumbleweed go across your backup line because some of them are getting ready to disappear and some bodies are getting ready to go with them. Dude, in my modifier mirror match Thursday. By the way, uh-huh. yeah, my modifier mirror match and finals at locals. This is what has happened uh-huh. at the end of Opus Nine. Um, Mm-hmm. We literally both have nail on the board, and at the end of that exchange, whatever summon I cast, at the end of the stack, mm-hmm. uh, neither of us had nail, and neither of us had any backups. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's just, it's just literally just a, a high noon Wild West shootout where nobody lives, and you're both. I feel like you're both just back at turn one. You're like, all right, I, well, had, I guess I had kind of... tomatoes. So, so oh, was, the mater. I was doing okay, but still, I mean, the fact that that card saw any play like how far we came at the beginning mm-hmm. of this very meta mm-hmm. people would have still said that fire would never win anything yeah and fire did a lot of work and um and again going back to some of the other decks i talked about before fire because as we're going through this we're actually kind of going down through some of the the highlight cards um when i look at um fire ice um these are this was a deck that once you know once Dotaluma was banned, really throughout all of Opus 9, even with wind, water, fire, ice could just kind of get there if they really hit the if the locks and Genesis started stripping their hand early, they could 
get there before you know that deck set up. Um, and some of the big cards in that deck were uh, Shadow. Shadow was actually a really huge backup. Not so much for his ability, which you know sometimes it, it went off and it, sometimes it was useful. But it was really just because of his name and his category. It allowed you, and kind of, we talked about this in our review, it kind of allowed you to not feel bad about missing Edgar on turn one. Right. Because um, you could still kind of curve into Banana Sid and then boom, locks online. Um, another card in that deck that I, I'll go ahead and say, it, and I've said it before on this cast, I was dead fucking wrong about. And that's Sayu. Yeah, oh shit, I was oh, wrong about man. that one. Whoops. Boy, I was—I I didn't even want to give that card the time of day. I didn't want to acknowledge that card existed. But First then, like, time I played it, I was like, uh, "Whoops!" Yeah, I was like, "Oh, whoops! I'm dead wrong. This card's <laughs> fucking amazing." And just because it's, you know, a it's category relevant, and you treat it like a summon. And again, just like Shadow, sometimes it's not a bad turn one play if you miss Edgar because you're like, "All right, fuck it, it's fine." Now I can curve into Banana Suit, curve into Lock, and still do what the deck wants to do. So, like. Uh, that's a card I, I am 100% eating, just eating crow on, and I don't mind it because I think the card is really, really. It's a it in shadow both have just become really solid one ofs in the Final Fantasy VI Fire Ice. So, and to be and you know I'll cop you know well I guess while I'm on the subject of Fire Ice, there is another Fire Ice archetype that popped up in Opus Nine, um, and that was Final Fantasy VIII. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Final, yeah. Well, the Final Fantasy VIII cards. That came in Opus 9 actually enabled two deck archetypes, um, Fire Ice and Ice Lightning. Um, and both were both were good for different reasons. Um, the Fire Ice one actually really you know relied heavily on Kiros and Phoenix and all these value plays with all these amazing two drops. Obviously, Renoa was kind of the anchor of that deck. It's a 2CP 5K with a wall of text that is super relevant for Category 8 forwards. Um, and that deck could just win really fast. Um, now, now that's that's actually the deck I played at Gen Con. I did I just did an audible the night before. I was actually going to play Wind Water, which probably would have been the smarter play. But I was like, man, I just I don't want to sit there and grind out games all day. Let me just play something really fast and really explosive. Mm-hmm. And it worked out well for the most part. Um, I didn't catch my I wasn't out of it until I lost in round six to Alejandro. Um, that was pretty much a losing your out game for us. And we were pretty much there at the end of the top table. And I was like, well, whoever wins this is most likely in regardless. Um, the games that I won, I they were over before the slip even came to us. <laughs> that's how fast that deck would win. I'd, you'd put them at two, then, you, then they'd be dead. And that's kind of how those decks work. Um, and the games that I lost I, um, were actually grindy, and the deck still had enough reach with cards like Nail and Cloud that you could still get there. But um, the deck, the decks were really explosive. The, the problem is your guys were little, and they were really easy. Like a one, and that's how I lost to Alejandro. Actually, I was in, I was in really firm control that he just dropped a Fina, and that was it. So that was really where the the deck struggled. And that's the Fire Ice version. Um, the Lightning Ice version, John, go ahead and talk about that one because you played that one a lot more than I did. Dude, so the Lightning Ice version was more about, like, it's funny because it was kind of the same thing. Um, I mean, because mm-hmm. that's the nature of Renoa, right, is that you just move all their guys out of the way. Um, mm-hmm. You would play the Cypher who could search for mm-hmm. Maya, and Maya mm-hmm. has that awesome enter combat trigger where you just move one of their guys out of the way. Uh, Cypher could mm-hmm. also search for the Ultimisha, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you can give Cypher haste. So you end up, instead of going for, like, the recursion with the Phoenix and the fire stuff mm-hmm. uh, and getting all your haste off Kiros triggers, 
you're just playing yep. Cypher, and the cool thing is Cypher searches for another eight character, Ultimisha. Mm-hmm. So you can just kind of get deeper into the uh, the dull and freeze and the haste and mm-hmm. smash through. The difference is, I think you're like not removing any of their guys ever, mm-hmm. versus you know removing some of their guys sometimes. So I think that they both have this explosive potential, and it's just your personal preference. Um, Absolutely, and an, another a deck. A, oh, sorry, a card that was actually really, really big in that deck. It actually ended up being really, really big in the uh, the um, the Fasoya decks, and uh, we'll we'll kind of circle back to this one. Was Hurdy? Oh yeah. Um, Hurdy is a card that you know when we first uh, spoiled it, we were kind of medium on. We were like, oh, this this is always going to be a one CP backup, you know. And, and I know, and when we were talking about it, you actually hit the nail right on the head. You're like, this thing in Lightning Ice, it just says get back Shoal. Um, yeah. So it was really huge in that deck. But where it ended up being really, really huge were the the Fasolia decks when they coming down the home stretch actually just solidified it as a three color deck by splashing ice in there. Yeah. Um, Hurdy being able to pretty much, because there's no summons in that deck, Hurdy being able to just be a 1CP backup that can get you back a Lua, and a Lua was a big part of that uh, deck. Just the, the shoulder turns were how that deck kind of wins. Um, so Hurdy ended up being a really, really good card. And again, this is one of those cards, again, that we knew was good. We just didn't know where it was going to end up. Mm-hmm. You, you were you were pretty much on the money with it, though, John. Um, it's all I've ever <coughs> seen it used for. <laughs> It's Indeed. Literally, literally, they build the deck with no summons specifically because mm-hmm. they play Hurdy, and Hurdy for the mm-hmm. shoal on demand is that important. It's Absolutely. That strong of a play. Well, and we also saw where it actually, uh, where it, it costed uh, Stam Tool a game against Okimoto. Um, yeah. Hurdy just, you know, him playing the. Uh, the X Death. X Death. Okimoto is a little out of his break zone, and then Okimoto. Yeah. Hurdy Pop Hurdy and just said, nope. Um, now another card, since we're, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of the fire cards here. Um, one fire card that we thought was really, really bad that actually ended up seeing play at the end, uh, was Irvine. Um, and this, you know, comes from the mind, uh, you know, the minds of JFB and Rob Phillips. Uh, they said most of the time they played this card, it was doing seven K, which isn't bad. Um, so we were wrong ish. I still don't think it's a great card, but if you, you know, the, the meta kind of became this crazy go wide, I mean, you you were start you were just for some reason, Shantoto just stopped existing, and people yeah. were just playing these five, six forward wide boards because the the thing is they were happening so fast. You'd play a guy, you'd draw a shit ton of cards, you'd play a guy, you'd play a guy, you cool. Now they can all attack for some fucking reason, and then you're just like, okay, well, if you didn't die that turn, you're like, well, I'll play Irvine, I'll kill that, then I'll do this and kill that. You know, it just became these real big haymakery kind of turns. Um, coming down the home stretch of the meta, and Irvine was actually a really, really solid card. Um, now I know we mentioned Terra earlier, John. Another card that really that we were kind of medium on that we didn't think would be, you know, good enough. But once Terra popped up, became insanely good. Was Belias? Mm. This yeah. this one this one CP um, just cantrip spell. Just became really, really good because of Terra. Um, just being able to give somebody, you know, one K first strike draw a card at any point in the game. And then after four points, it, you know, gave you haste. But being able to add an extra two K onto that allowed a lot of your guys to start swinging up the curve where they shouldn't have. And Terra being able to recycle those was huge. Um, I mean, she doesn't even trade. She blocks effectively up to a nine K. Yeah. Pretty crazy. 
And that's really, really good. Um, and that wasn't the only one CP that got better because of Terra. The one CP Zolera was really, really huge. Um, I thought that was, I mean, we, we thought that was a great card the minute we saw it. And it was, um, the card saw play. Um, it saw play, you know, you saw it a lot in the European deck list. You saw it in a lot of, um, you know, North American deck list. Just because it's a one CP kill a, you know, usually a lot of really good targets, especially right now, are in the three cost spot, the five cost, seven cost. I mean, you know, it's an even kill on a three cost, and it's just a huge plus exactly on anything else, right? And yeah. It's like, man, I've had seven CP forwards killed by that thing, and that feels bad. Absolutely. Now, as far as um, you know, other ice cards, because again, like I said, once we started going into Opus Nine, John, that um, Mono Ice was kind of the deck that kept stopping Wind Water from just dominating everything. Even though the deck, if you look from a number standpoint, Wind Water was still like the top deck, best deck, most played deck in the format. Uh, Mono Ice actually ended up having you know a lot to say about that, and I think one of the big cards that was helpful in that was Azure, <coughs> excuse me, Azure Dragon. Oh yeah. Um, that's a card we were, you know, we were high on the minute we saw it. The card did not fail to deliver. That card, we were, we didn't know how many. The only thing we were kind of iffy about, we were like, do you play three of this guy? Do you play two? Do you play one? Nope, this guy was a full fucking playset card because it was just that valuable to the deck. Yeah, I mean the uh, straight break mm-hmm. is insane. The plus a card every turn. It's just this. It demands an immediate answer. Mm-hmm. It demands no. an answer. Absolutely. Um, so that card definitely um, was huge. Now, as far as some ice cards, um, now well, there's I guess there is one more ice card that was absolutely huge in Opus Nine. I thought, and that was the backup lock, which you started seeing more near the end again with these three color Agris Vasoya decks. Mm-hmm. Lock being able to just really accelerate you. I mean, pr- I, primarily this card was a ramp card, right? You play lock, you call backup, you get another backup. You either play it or you just wait till the next turn, depending on what backup you got off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that card was really good. And the best part is, you know, w- one thing we were worried about was the name clash, but we knew right off the bat that this is a lock that goes into decks that other locks weren't going into. So the name clash didn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I slammed that guy in my <clears throat> lightning ice deck, like you said. Oh, absolutely. And I basically just called backup every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, and another card that, again, kind of fits in that sort of kind of impactful in some lists and not, um, but I think it ended up being more of a dud, and this will kind of segue us into some of the, 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 the ice cards that we thought were going to be really good and ended up being kind of just non-existent. And the, the halfway house card is vain. <laughs> um, vain was actually, you know, he, he ended up being, as you know, we... I was a lot higher on it because um, I still think it's a very powerful card. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely ended up being exactly what you guys called it. It's, it's a bit more of a win more card. And for some reason, just because of all you know, the four CP vein was still much more impactful. Like you were saying, you're seeing ice decks that were running just three copies of four CP vein because he was that important. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously the, the, where the other vein shined was these tax decks and, you know, because sometimes Vane, you know, you would you would have this setup with Garland and Scale Toad and all these other, and then Vane would just come put the last nail in the coffin, and the game would just kind of be over on the spot. So yeah, absolutely. So very much borderline. Um, but as far as cards that ended up being not really that great that we were high on, uh, the first one is the Sid Allstain backup. Um, turns out the forward is still just head and shoulders better. Yeah, I mean, it turns out actually that they they don't see a ton of play, either of them. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, I think just the potential to Renoa the forward actually more than, yeah. than the body. Yep. And we saw Cody actually win the Gen Con constructed event off of the one of Sid Allstain in his deck. Yeah, if that was the, the backup, of... it wouldn't have mattered, but it was the forwarding. <laughs> yep. Um, another, speaking of another big body that um, was kind of disappointing was the big Laguna, the 5CP Laguna. That, um, it saw play in some decks, but I felt like once you started playing the Final Fantasy VIII decks, the President Laguna to search out Squall just ended up being a much more efficient play. Right, and there actually wound up being like better ways to search for the best high-cost ice cards. Exactly. Exactly. So, again, it's not a bad card, but it never really took off like we expected it to. Um, and then another ice card, uh, kind of the last one here is noteworthy. The last one that really didn't take off was Ghost. Um, a lot of people were playing it in the early list, and they just realized, eh, I'd rather just play another Sid Reigns or another Furion or something like that. Um, so Ghost had a little bit of time, and we, the card's still okay. Still but good. Just... I mean, Hunter played it in his mono ice list at Nats. Mm -hmm. um, it's still a good card because it's just not a good card in like an exciting way, I think. And that's yeah. and, and you only have so much space. Exactly. I'm kind of chuckling to myself. I put on my notes here, ghost dash back to the grave. <laughs> yeah. Hey, dude, so, he's only in your party for like a hot minute. All right. You can the game <laughs> the hottest that. minute. Yeah, that's for sure. But no, but that, that pretty much kind of rounds out all the ice and fire cards that, um, you know, that were noteworthy. Um, uh, the other, the other, well, actually I take that back. One of the big things about fire that, um, Cadets. Cadets never really took off. The only one that really did, and this will kind of segue us into the wind and the wind, you know, water cards, um, was Rim. Rim just kind of became a tech card against Mono Ice. But other than that, Cadets never really took off. Mm -mm. Some um, people in played title, them. Sure oh, in Ooh. title, they did, I think in title they ended up being oh, one of the best decks in Opus Nine. Indeed. But from a constructed standpoint, the card, the the, the archetype never really took off. They were just mm -hmm better ways to play red cards and clearly much better way to play green cards in Opus 9. And speaking of which, uh, a green card, we're going to lead off here with John that we were all kind of, it's another one that we were kind of wrong, wrong-ish on, and that's Edge. Um, Mono Wind kind of evolved to this. I don't want to say this happened either right before or right after the Riku ban. I just don't remember, but it was around that time. Um, again, JFB Rob Phillips started playing this mono wind deck with like 31 forwards, three, uh, three summons and 16 backups. Now this is where we saw the small sky pirate engine kind of show up, mm -hmm. um, which we'll get to. And after we talk about edge, but edge ended up being a really huge part of that deck because he just ended up being just a brick wall or it was like, you know, he would just really stop all, like, the Layla Viking value that people were seeing. Um, card ended up being really, really powerful in these lists. And, and this is one we were like, hey, this card is good, right? But does Mono Win need it? And they kind of did as the deck kind of changed, you know what I mean, to a more forward-heavy list, mm -hmm. which was important. Actually, I think it was before the Riku Band because you needed that to combat wind water because they were just removing your shit constantly. And if you could just keep dumping forwards on the floor, you were able to win the game before you were getting milled out. Right. Um, but yeah, like I said, that with the, uh, you started seeing this sky pirate engine to kind of ramp your backups. Typically you would just play, you'd play the backup. Pinello would let you search for a sky pirate. You would either grab Fran or you would grab the ball fear that lets you do search for Fran. 
depending on the game state, and then that would allow you to accelerate on top of still the Crystal Chronicles acceleration. So you'd be getting, excuse me, to five backups very, very quickly. Yeah, and that front is so good. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with that in conjunction with a card like Edge, where he's coming in, hitting you for 4K, then I'll just pop this frame and hit something for 6K, whatever. You know, there, there was just a, that, that small little package allowed for some really neat acceleration. Um, also Diabolos, Barbarisha, yeah. Balfour plays, things like that. Mm-hmm. It was just, uh, yeah, definitely helped the damage get there. That and then a couple a very, other... Still a very good oh, ab- absolutely. And then a couple other win cards that were very impactful. I mentioned one earlier, and that was Yizamat. Um And we kind of... We kind of were right on the money on this one right off the bat. I know I specifically said uh, this card off of a burst feels unfair because mm-hmm. it does. This card on burst is just fucking stupid. Um, you don't really – you casting it feels okay, but it never felt great because you just spent so much CP and a lot of times you were dumping your hand. And that's kind of what happened again to reference Gen Con. I want to say McGinty dumped his hand to play a Yizmat in the very next turn. It was like, oops, it all stained. And the game yeah, was over. Um, so I, Yizmat, we were right on the money on the card's good. I think the card is really, really good. But it, 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 it's like a it's like a seven out of ten when you cast it, but it's like a fifteen out of ten when it hits on burst. Oh yeah, I mean for sure, right? Like I, we never, I never thought it was bad in the damage zone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. No, a card's great in the damage zone. Yeah. And if you pitch it early, it's if you if you get it in your hand early, it's a great you know way to generate two win CP. Mm-hmm. Um, but another great card um, that you don't mind in any zone was Magus Sisters. That's a card we were we were kind of right on the money of that. Like um, I know a lot of the Wind Water lists started kind of dropping those for more like summons and kind of more tech cards. Um, but Magus Sisters still still see play now in mono wind lists just because it's it's just a great way to have bodies that are sticky, resilient threats. So. And they're good in any zone because you're able to – you don't necessarily have to get them and put them in your break zone. You can get a card that you don't want to draw dead. Oh, Mion's already on the board? And let me get this other Mion out of the deck so I don't draw dead. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Cards were really, really good, and they still see play, and I think they're going to continue to see play in any Wind or Windex deck that you know kind of can you know can really benefit from the little engine that they create. Yeah. Every single activation of Magic Sisters increases the quality of your draws for the rest of the game. Absolutely. Now, John, we're going to, you know, that's a perfect segue for you to say that because you want to talk about quality of draws and you want to talk about a card that we were dead. I mean, we're probably more wrong about this card than any other fucking card. And that is goddamn fat chocobo. Oh, yeah. Fuck me. I was wrong in like a week. In like less than a week. I think we we literally held our first like local, our first online local. Mm -hmm. And we were like, uh, all right. Well, yeah, when we watched Chocobo Joe draw like four cards off of that thing, we were like, "Yeah, we're stupid." Yep, this card just just eats the lunch of the five CP one. Then I when don't he know bounced, if it, it replaces the other one. The other one, like <sighs> fucking, just it, it, he's on the corner with a Dude, sign. He's selling carnations he's under like... a freeway off ramp. <laughs> he's like, "Please, please, somebody <laughs> take me back." It's like the the Kristen Wig meme from Bridesmaids. Help me, I'm poor. He's got like the boombox, and he's outside our window, like. Take me back. Yes. Please. I'll lose weight. <laughs> exactly. Whatever. Maybe I can change. I promise. <laughs> Whatever you need. What, I can change. What has he got that I don't got? What we're has both, he got that I don't? We're both fat chocobos. That's right. 
But uh, and then also too, like just that, and then me owning it and playing it again, like the value is just insane. Yeah, that card ended up being really good. So did the uh, the four CP Chocobo that was printed, the one that gives like a thousand power to each Chocobo for each one attacking, and like the math in that deck just got absurd because of those two cards. I think every time I evaluate Chocobo's power, I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm always like, okay, no, so wait, they're swinging in as like 7Ks? It's like, no, they're both 12Ks. Like, oh, uh, uh, yeah, okay. All right, yeah, yep. Nope, I see it. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, that gets, deck, the deck was really dumb. It gets out of hand. Absolutely. Uh, and then uh, as far as... Far. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. And then as far as um the last win card that uh kind of never took off, and it was my sleeper pick of the set, was uh, Shimaze. Mm. Um, I still think the card is really, really good. It just never really became that card that really you needed in the in those decks mm -hmm. i mean i, I know one... chocobo oh go ahead okay no please no you well okay if you insist i know chocobo joe is playing it in his chocobo list because it's just it really protects you from zolera to be like boop, activate all your three cost forwards you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah i literally just played one in my um in my wind water list and mm -hmm. it was a lifesaver sometimes to just have the two cp activate all your guys yeah absolutely yeah card was really solid and then just to kind of segue from there and we kind of talked about them earlier as far as water cards go water for the most part didn't really have a lot of impactful cards but the ones that they had were just absurd um the biggest one obviously we kind of talked up already was porum that card was as exactly advertised. as advertised yep. and that's not going to change that card is always going to be good like that's a card when you're building wind wind uh, sorry wind water water whatever the first thing you look at is, can I fit three of these in here? Mm -hmm. And you kind of base that based on what, you know, what your summons look like. And, you know, speaking of summons, uh, that other fan freight ended up being pretty impactful, especially in the early iterations of Wind Water, where, again, and it's kind of funny, John, if you actually go back and listen to our spoiler set, you say something to the effect of, oh, we're just going to, we're just going to play a bunch of fan frits and we're going to kill your board and we're going to mill you out with Riku. <laughs> you're like that you, you the only other thing you mentioned that didn't really come to uh, fruition in that was you said we're using legend valifor which the deck didn't need but uh you kind of you, you kind of had uh, briefly in a small prediction that riku with these fan frits would just be absolutely insane i'm just joking about how like literally because of how riku works you could play a deck where you just remove their forwards and that's exactly yeah. i mean like turns out you can remove all their forwards without ever valforing yeah, but yeah. Turns out uh, it, it's just like you know the idea of a deck where I just don't play forwards, and like I think that was part of the discussion for the ban, right? Is as soon as they mm -hmm. hear people saying, "I'm just not going to play forwards," that doesn't. That's not how the game's supposed to work. Mm -hmm. So, and yeah. then especially when the two forwards you would sacrifice off of the Famfrit were Porum and Magus Sisters, you're like, I'm still so far ahead. Yeah, you're I've like, literally I'll lost just nothing. Keep this Famfrit. Yeah, uh, or if it was Porum and Veritas or something like that, you know what I mean? Vikings, just fucking any of this stuff, yeah. Just like, yeah. like targets for days. Mm -hmm. But then that that card things. did exactly, and then the the card did kind of start to fizzle out down the home stretch. But uh, you know, I, I think its biggest impact in Opus Nine was the pizza jokes we got to make. Yeah, I mean, and I'm really looking forward to future pizza jokes. Yes, indeed. I'm, I'm waiting for. I'm ready for like the big New Yorker uh, <laughs> fan frit. Ready for the big, and you know, we call this one the Chicago deep dish. We called it the big dinner box. You know, like the the little know. Caesars. It's just like a, oh, man. Like a, like a modal, a modal fan Hot and ready fan frit. 
I'm ready for hot and ready fanfrit. DiGiorno fanfrit? Like, oh, oh man, like, it's <laughs> not delivery. It's fanfrit. <laughs> Perfect. Shit, that's a good name for a podcast episode, too. We heard all the hits. Yeah, we're going to have to throw a dart at a dartboard later or something. Telling you. And then uh, another water card, and I think this is really the last one that was kind of impactful. Um, but again, it, w- it was very much on the outskirts, and that was Old Trove's. Um, obviously, you loved it because you, you know, you and Alex qualified with it. That's I right. loved it because I was that, playing a Mono Water Ultros right off, a uh, Mono Water Fasolia Ultros right off the bat. I thought the car was really good. That big octopus daddy got me straight to nets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, card's good. I thought the car was really, really good, and I think he's a card that's still, you know, again, when you're looking at Fasolia decks or water decks, he he's a really good part of that top end because he is a sticky, resilient threat, and I think water needs more of that. Um, but we'll see, right? Now, as far as the, the the two cards that kind of disappointed me in water, I really wish they'd have seen more play, and that was Cecil and Rosa. Mm. Um, they never really lived up to the hype. Um, I know there were some kind of fringe decks with Cecil and Rosa, but they just never really... I think they never really, water just didn't really live up to the hype in Opus 9. It's true. It's true, because wind water was just better. It, it just did more. It was just much more efficient. Like, Cecil and Rosa are great in mono water. It's just that mono water, like, that thing that it always liked to do, it's win con of, like, I'm mm-hmm. going to cag your board. It's mm-hmm. just too easy to stop it now. Yeah, absolutely. It's, like, really yeah, it, easy to stop it now. Yeah, it just it, they just didn't have enough. <laughs> they need uh, they need a little bit more, I think. They're yeah, getting you it. Saw more, They're getting it. No, they are, absolutely. Opus 10 is going to be a whole new ball game for them. But I think what we saw coming down the home stretch, especially at uh, like European Nationals, a lot of mono water Fasolia, which yeah. I think ended up being the better way to play the deck coming mm-hmm. down the home stretch. Um, now, moving on to Earth. Um, Earth actually got a lot of really solid stuff. I think the big one, the real big one coming out of Earth was Gabranth. Oh, um, he was king of the playground. Dude, he was. He was definitely a uh, – Vaughn was sniffing his finger and uh, – Gabranth was under the bleachers making out with all the girls. Um, so <laughs> yeah. that card was exact. And we, and we talked about really like this guy allowed buddy Sephiroth. They, they were fucking like, they were the um, bullies team. That's right. They were tripping up the nerds and getting all the girls. <laughs> that's right. But, um, you know, Gabranth was exactly what we, what we knew he was going to be right. The rest of his text didn't matter. It was just his burst. Mm-hmm. Uh, Search for a guy that costs five or more. It allowed for some really neat toolboxy things. The fact that he would get you Veritas, he'd get you Sephiroth, he'd get you Nidhog if you needed it. Yasmat, Ramu. Yep. Anything Athena, you need. Fasonia, if you're playing it in that list, because there are some really weird lists going on. Cloud um, Darkness, dude. He, he just, yeah. He's anything you yeah. need, he can get it for you. Yep. And he's, he's another one that's the guy selling cigarettes under the bleachers. That's right. So selling shit out of his locker. That's Gabrant. <laughs> and like he was great. He was another one that was great in any anywhere in the game. Like on the board, he's fine as like an early play. Set up your later turns. In the damage zone, he's fucking beautiful because you just like, all right, well, cool. Well, you're playing a forward. I hate Gabrant. Well, here like it's so great against like Fire Ice, right? Where you, you got the backup line, you haste the lock, you swing, they flip the, you know, they flip the Gabrant, they grab Veritas. You're like, well, fuck. <laughs> I guess my lock is dead next turn because they would grab uh, Veritas and just boom, there it is. So, card was good. Card ended up being really, really solid. Um, another forward that ended up being really solid out of Earth was actually Vincent. Uh, he was the promo from the pre-release. Um, ended up being a great one of just being able to clean up your backup line. He was just a really good punish card if someone you know over overextended, or if they um, you know, like again, going back to the hasty lock player, like all right, well I'll just break this uh. 
this, I don't know, whatever card I don't back dude, up. I don't need He finally picked Gumba for the dodgeball team, yeah. dude. Nobody dude, gets, absolutely. Gumba had yeah, been last Vincent picked Gumba. for so long, and Vincent was like, I see you. You're, you're, I see you, big boy. You're a blocker. Exactly. You're going to eat some dodgeballs for me and let me do my best work. Exactly. Like, oh, okay. Yep. And then a lot of the, the rest of the Earth cards were kind of fringy at best. Um, now, I know one that had everybody's feathers ruffled was Miss Dragon. That card never really ended up. I mean, it ended up being, you know, pl- played in some decks, but it was never that like, oh shit, this card's a blowout. It didn't become a staple, which is what I think a lot of people were saying. Yeah, yeah. There was just so many ways where you're like, All right, I'm gonna play the Shishtola, or I just I have Edward up. Whatever. It also wound up costing like just the wrong amount. Yes, absolutely. Like, it was never. Like, mm, I don't know. It always feels weird to play it. It feels awful yeah. to hold it. No, I agree. I agree, and that's kind of what back what we were talking about earlier, where like you felt like you feel like if you're holding this up, it's not like in Magic where holding up a counter spell always feels you know good if you're playing that deck. A lot of times, holding Miss Dragon just felt bad. I feel like I might have said something bad. like that. Like I feel like people were telling me that this card was going to completely stop any recursion based decks like that. No, that water not... was dead, and I was just like, uh, I don't think so. I don't even know yeah, that this card feels that good. Yeah, Porum, Layla Viking, all that shit was back in full force in yeah. Opus 9. Um, now, other cards? Um, well, another card sleeper, that I think... Do what? My Sleeper was an Earth dude, and, yeah. and I played it at Nats. Yeah, he's actually, he's actually the next card, uh, and that was Larkisius. He's a mm-hmm. card that uh, saw kind of fringe play. I think the card is really, really good. Um, I just think during this entire meta, Earth Wind just hasn't found its identity yet. But I think when they do... Larkisius is going to be, no pun intended, just what the doctor ordered. I think he's going to be the centerpiece of that deck when it finally finds exactly what it is. Dude, I'm telling you that, especially that new monster. Yep. That chubby, fat Aramon. I forget. Ooh, yeah. Some, some, <laughs> some crazy Japanese name. Yes. With the raging demon in the background. Yeah, card's good. Um, now, another card that never really took off as well, um, again, Earth, for the most part, was very lackluster, um, was Bygone. Um, there was a couple events where, like, a deck with Bygone and, like, Bomb was a really neat interaction. It ended up being kind of this one-sided board wipe, but Bygone just never really did anything. I thought the card was really good, just never ended up going anywhere. Um, and then the last card, and I felt it was noteworthy just because of the meme, uh, and it was a meme from start to finish, and that's Yang, a Yang that fights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a Yang that fights. We did yeah, get him. He, he, I mean, Johnny tried it. Johnny was doing it in the um, in the Final Fantasy mm-hmm. IV Ice Earth deck, which is a cool deck to come out of this set. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, underwhelming. Yeah, he was just a meme from start to finish. And we so, uh, um, and speaking of a, a card that uh, element that didn't have a lot of impactful cards, but the ones that did were just are now just staples. Uh, it's lightning. Um, and we'll start with Kane. The, Kane is one we were right on right off the bat. We were like, this card's dumb. That card, Kane was the home run that lightning needed in this last mm. set. Card's really good. Kane was everything we needed it to be, everything we wanted it to be, and it delivered every time he hit the board. Yeah, Kane um, is a really, really cool piece of tempo play. Big time. For lightning, I really enjoyed him, and it's just like a great target to put into a deck for Bermesia, mm-hmm. other than Estinian. Yep, 
And it's so he's so good that you're seeing most decks that are playing him are playing the full playset. He's that good. Yeah. Yep. Um, and speaking of other cards, and these, these all kind of are impactful in the same way because they all feel like they all go in the same deck. Um, and I'll just rattle them all off. Bahamut Zero, Fasoya, and Maya. Um, now we'll start with Bahamut Zero. John, limited in Opus 9 was not great. And I think we all can admit that. But I'll tell you right now, you were going to have a really good time if you got Bahamut Zero. Yeah, that's for sure. Even at Seal, it was the it card. Was if you had it, <laughs> you were winning. Pretty much. If you had Bahamut Zero and Porum, you felt fucking just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was great in the Agarius decks. This is one that we were, I, when I say we were kind of wrong on, it's because we were like, oh, you play around this card the same way you play around Al Cid. Um, which is yeah, true. Yeah. I, I got blown out on a couple of times I tried to play that card by that exact thing. So I don't know that. Right. That right. Was super wrong. I mean, but yeah, yeah. I, I get what we're saying. Yeah. Um, and the other card, uh, the next one is Fasoya. This is another one we were kind of wrongish about because, again, we knew the card was good. We just didn't know where it was going to go. And we actually kind of saw the early steps of this deck at that same first Octagon Weekly where Hunter was playing this water lightning deck. And we just saw Ramza hit the board. We saw Agrius. We were just like, I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and Fasoya was, Fasoya has ended up being like one of the biggest parts of that deck just because it's, those decks are built with you know, kill that draw too. <laughs> well, right, and there's very few cards that cost less than four, because all the cards that uh, all the backups that cost four are are getting you a card either like Batteron, uh, Merleweb. Um, try to think of another one uh, like Sid Previa getting you another card and drawing you a card. Lid that's getting you a card from the Break Zone Sage. Like all these four CP backups yeah. that are really two CP backups, <laughs> and if you flip two of those off Vasilia, you're eight King something, which you're going to be killing something, right? Yeah, and I mean, all of that stuff not only plays so well with Fusoya, but it just had perfect synergy with Agrius. And I think the pairing of those two was, like you said, in our review, we weren't sure where Fusoya was going to go. Mm-hmm. And nope, there you, he, he got adopted by Agrius. Indeed. Indeed. A- Agrius just holding this little bearded baby in her hands, just like, well, here we go. <laughs> Grandpa, and, uh, I'll take care of you. That's right. Come, come live with me for a while before the dementia okay. kicks in. Okay. That's right. And uh, another card that was really important in that list, and we thought was uh, we were kind of medium on, but ended up being really solid, that was Maya. Just because, I mean, the Maya and Fasoya alone, right? Being able to play Fasoya, kill something, play Maya, give Fasoya haste, swing. Like, that's such a good tempo play. Mm-hmm. Um, Have Maya you played just, a game against Maya Wall? Oh, it, oh, God damn it, that is annoying. It's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kageyama was playing a uh, full-blown mm-hmm. Mobius haste deck. Um, Maya, yeah. even just that going into combat dull trigger, it ends up having mm-hmm. so much more like mm-hmm. uh, pressure than Wall has the turn it comes yep. in, and mm-hmm. it, it's definitely a good card. Yeah, and then even giving you know something like Cloud of Darkness haste seems almost unfair because you're like, I'll mm-hmm. kill this thing with Cloud of Darkness, give it haste. Oh, I just killed something else. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the the light, lightning didn't have a lot of impactful cards, but the ones that did were just like they're like if you look at all four of these cards now Bahamut Zero kind of an asterisk because some lists you see it, some you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kane, Fasoya, and Maya, all of them are almost full. Like I know Fasoya and Kane are full play sets. I've seen some lists with full play sets of Maya all go in the same deck. Mm-hmm. So that's huge. Um, and then lastly. Um, we were kind of right as far as light and dark goes. The only one that was really worth a damn was Emperor Gestalt. 
Now, the one that we think probably has a lot of upside is the wall that we thought, you know, we, all of us were kind of like, yeah, this card's kind of poop. But then, like, you start kind of messing around with it a little bit. You're like, okay, this guy's actually really okay. Um, we he's got co- so wrapped up on the name wall and him being a light card and having mm-hmm. the restrictions. But I think now, especially with the the WAF synergies we're talking about, I think this guy goes in that deck hands down. Yeah, the very first time that I played that card on the field, it felt fifty times better than it read. And I was like, oh, exactly. and I literally convinced myself and the person I was playing against by just by mm-hmm. playing that card. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That was uh, Nick Chanel. Yeah, that was, that was Nick, Nick Chanel in our cadet mirror. Yep. And then the um and then just the rest of them didn't really, you know, didn't really do anything. Chaos Mobius is another one that, you know, got a lot of you know, it was very fringy, right? You would see some Fire Ice list playing it. You see some that weren't. Um, sometimes, because I know there were times I've played it in Fire Ice, sometimes it just felt clunky. I always got it at the wrong time. Nick made it um, a good mono fire card. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a great mono fire card um, mm-hmm. at the time. But um, and I'm trying, and then Locke, uh, that that was literally a, just a title card, right? I mean, it's yeah, he's amazing yeah. in title, like, but that's yeah, right. it. And uh, Emperor Gestal ended up actually being a very relevant card because he's just a great piece of removal at a great so rate. Clean. A very relevant. Yeah, he's just a very clean card that we'll always see play because the fact that you can just play Gaudis off of it, now you can play Hien off of it. You can play Camelot off of it. There's just a lot of – you can play Reagan off of it coming up in the next set. Like, that's a card if you're running any kind of dark engine, that card's in there straight up. It's Ain't just that nobody dope as me. I break four, five CP. The fresh is so clean. <laughs> but yeah, but for the most part, John, like Opus 9, and we kind of said it when we were done, the, the set felt an awful lot like Opus 6. Um, some big impact cards, but not a lot. Like, I mean, when you look at the the going down the line here, I mean, you can count the super impactful cards. If you break, if you take kick off the shoes on your hands and toes, you can you can count, you know, the cards that had an impact. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, down the road we won't see more of these cards seeing play because I think some of them are are just huge moving forward, like Larkisius. I think Larkisius is going to be a big part of Earth X decks moving forward. I think Rosa and Cecil will see their day. Um, I think Ultros will eventually see his day because he only gets better at, with more Ultros mm-hmm. as they print. I think it was just that, you know, Opus 9, at the beginning of Opus 9, didn't seem like it was going to change anything. Mm-hmm. Um, combined with the shakeup, you know, the ban, mm-hmm. the nine point five injection. Yes. Um, it wound up being this like I'm glad there wasn't a little more going on with nine itself because all mm-hmm. these changes really just shook the foundation up a bit. And now yeah. we're getting a set that has a lot of pieces. Now that the foundation's been totally shaken up and everything's pretty much even, mm-hmm. uh, we're getting just a ton of pieces in every color. And mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of room for creativity in Opus 10. Wow, is there going to be a lot of room for creativity? There's already so much room. I mean, Nats was completely unpredictable a month before mm-hmm. Nats. Absolutely. And especially when, you know, you're probably going to see a lot more. Because, uh, you know, ending Opus 9 with Nationals being a two-deck format, that was received extremely positively, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think... I think a lot of people like when you go to card game tournaments, like you, you know, one one and done can be rough because sometimes variance just gets the fucking best of you. You know, you, you could you could be playing against a matchup where it's like, oh man, this is a nine one matchup, but your deck just fucking bricks. It happens. It hap- It's a card game. You can't win them all. But then like being able to be and have each match be a two out of three, obviously until you get to day two, losers bracket, but that's a whole different animal. 
going through Swiss in two out of three, people that resonates so well with people because there's so much more strategy and depth that it really allows you to think and just kind of switch gears on the fly. Like it really just kind of tests your metal a lot more. And I don't think I had any, I heard anybody complain about two deck format. So I hope going into Opus 10, maybe into the competitive season next year, we see more of this two deck format because people absolutely loved it. I know it was a blast to watch. Yeah, I asked pretty much every group of people that I hung out with uh, at mm-hmm. either dinners or like in the room after the event. I said, so mm-hmm. what did we think about two deck format? You know, would, would you guys want this next year? And everybody said yes. Yeah. It, it's it's that good. Mm-hmm. Just so hopefully so we'll see room for fucking like just there was so much room for creative thinking yes. and for cool deck choices and mm-hmm. like a single player got second with mono fire and mm-hmm. then the field had so much mono fire that we were able to play royal ripeness to tech against John. Like, you 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 opened the spice cabinet, saw a can of stewed tomatoes in the fucking back, and we're like. Well, I guess I'll eat this. Payday's not for another two weeks. And ended up actually being aged a fucking ball buster. Yeah, it's like crazy that that's in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Fire changed that much. Like the meta yes. changed that much without mm-hmm. any like you know new cards really, except Terra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Terra, and I guess just, and then obviously the starter deck we've talked about before was very impactful, just like the last one was. Yeah, I mean, these um, are such a great idea. Mm-hmm. Not yeah, only Terra did they put Vaughan staples, the imagine being a, a player who doesn't have some of these legends. Not only do mm-hmm. you get those starters, but you also are finally getting, the, like, you just get such a crazy, healthy injection into your collection. It's yep. like, man, here you go. Now you can build four new decks. Like, yep. Hey, remember those Diaboluses that you couldn't get your hands on? Hey, now you get two of them. Uh, hey, here's some Aluas. You like Aluas. Hey, Phoenix. Hey, Phoenix is a good card. You like those. And then same thing with the 10 that's coming out. Oh, you need a Yestola? Hey, here's a Yestola. You get a Yestola. Mm-hmm. I, I would not be surprised that at some point, John, we see because the value of that card is, is just kind of stagnated right there around 30 bucks. It would not surprise me if at some point we see Chalinka in a, starter, a two-player starter deck. Chalinka, Sephiroth, uh, yep. a couple more of those cards, yeah. Yep. But overall, John, I I, was, I didn't really get to play a lot of Opus 9 just you know because I was doing a lot of commentary and a lot of other things. Um, but it was really fun to watch. Um, it was kind of oppressive and bad at first. Like I thought early Opus 9 was like something had to be done, something got done, and then Opus 9 going into 9.5 all the way up to the end was very healthy. Like, I mean, extremely healthy. Like, impressively healthy. Like, wow. Yes. Yes. This is exactly where we want to be. It's crazy that we, like you said, we were maybe one of the most negative headspaces as, a, as like, a collective community. Yes. Like, it, let's talk about the Opus 9 spoiler season. Like, mm-hmm. that oh, was dude, rough. It was... Mm-hmm. On reveal, we had some cool stuff. But for the most part, like you said, the set was, like, uh, you know, you can kind of count the crazy cards. Uh, mm-hmm. I can already count more cards from spoilers from 10. Yes. You know, like, we've literally already built decks, man. And, and yeah. It's, like, um, the exact opposite of what I was doing a week before Opus 9 came out. Oh, like, when Opus 9 came out, like, I just didn't fucking care. I was like, I don't know what I want to build. There's nothing here that's exciting me. Then, like, I played Wind Water for a little bit, and I said, I hate this. I hate that I'm playing this. <laughs> 
And, and that's and that's part of the reason why I switched up at Gen Con. I was like, I I don't want to I don't want to do this all day, and I don't want to play this mirror match all day. Um, it, it was it was probably one of the worst times like meta wise in the game because it was just like fuck this, like the game isn't fun. Mm-hmm. So I played a deck that was fast and fun, and I actually had a lot of fun even though I went X three drop, um, before the last round. Um, I still had fun. And once they once they took Riku off the table and just, plus you know, ultra, dude, you just went it's off. Yeah, well, then yeah, exactly. I played yeah, my hero. Yeah. But then, like, but then once the Riku ban took place, like the game really opened up, and I, I'm mad that I didn't get to play it more. But watching it was so much fun. Like these Agrius decks were fun. Fire Ice, watching that, you know, kind of be what it kind of was back in opus eight with sets are back up and a little bit more just a little bit faster and then you're playing the new ace and all kinds of shit. like just seeing the decks i like to play just kind of open up and be different things and seeing earth x decks and just you know lightning decks lightning x so seeing ice kind of take on a metamorph like we're not playing the same game anymore and i love that that's the big thing because up until 9.5 i felt like i had been playing the same fucking game for like the last three sets and now i don't feel that way anymore and that was that to me was huge, and all it took was a starter deck and them saying, "Riku, you're out of here." Yeah, I mean, and it's not even that I think Riku, like, sure, Riku did keep a lot of decks and a lot of um, archetypes kind of back, but mm-hmm. I think that when we governed that card, and I think I've said that on this cast before, it just mm-hmm. let everybody feel like it was okay to try new stuff and be more creative. Yes, and now I think that that's like that's just snowballing and, and like just seeing how many people were willing to switch to motto fire as one of their decks for Nats. Like people are just willing to just keep trying and keep making new things and keep trying new things right now. And I think that's so great. And and going into Opus 10, I'm so excited to see, uh, I mean, worlds is going to be like, like mm-hmm. I think this is hard, man. If I was a world's player, there are archetypes, there's entire archetypes. I have to test against the existing gauntlet just to see yeah. if they're even like, if they have legs, yeah, it's um, mm-hmm. it's gonna be such a cool time for deck building, and I'm yeah, really I excited. I mean, because you know that that's the exact kind of stuff that hypes me up. Mm-hmm. I'll spend all damn day on FF decks. Yeah, and by the way, FF decks, uh, wow, crazy shout out! They've been getting the spoilers up like Dude, as yes. they come out. Holy shit! I don't have to like deck build it in Excel or uh, or you know like a goddamn caveman on like mm-hmm. pen and paper. Or like at the bottom of your decks, this card equals this card. The only yeah, card I have no to do way. that with right now is Elza because they haven't they they've shown the art in Japanese, but they haven't spoiled the yeah, English yeah, one yeah. yet. The art, so I'm still having to be like kites equals Elza on my key. That's right. But, yeah, I, I need I need to be able to brew on the go. You know, mm-hmm. when I'm on the go, if you know, yes. you know, I need I need this FF decks in the palm of my hand, man. I can't anymore. I'm hooked. I'm hooked. Mm-hmm. If they if there was like sure. tomorrow they're like FF Dex is now a paid website like oh shit well whoops I guess I'm paying five dollars a month for FF Dex now yeah like, absolutely oof, God man uh, thank you guys so much for everything but also this was a huge win for me putting these spoilers mm-hmm. up right away it's been great and as far as I can tell they've had a pretty a pretty good level of cooperation with like as soon as things are officially spoiled getting mm-hmm. the official high res image from Square. Yeah, absolutely. So that's awesome too. Thank you very much, Square. So yeah, dude, I'm I'm excited, man. Opus Ten is right around the corner. We are literally T minus, you know, from seeing the full set. 
T minus five. Um, sorry, you you roboted like, for a second. I said like T minus five days yeah, from like seeing the days, full yeah, set, yeah, right? Sure. So you know, I'm excited to see where it goes. Opus nine was fun. I think Opus ten is going to be a blast. And um, with that, John, um, I've got nothing else this week. Any uh, any parting thoughts? That's it for me, Chris. I think next week, uh, the next episode of our cast starts our little. Our, our our series. worlds uh, our you know our North American team kind of a uh, fireside chat series um mm-hmm. and first up I think we're gonna get the uh, the Midwest boys uh, we're gonna get you know Cody Snodgrass Kyle Peters um oh God per- Benjamin Parrot yeah Ben Parrott. I, I, I wanted to call him Brandon but I, his name is Ben I just had to good put, old I had to Ben put Brandon Parrot yes indeed <laughs> yeah we're gonna have those guys on and. You know, we're going to kind of just talk, because especially after pre-release, right, you know, they've got, they'll have their hands on Opus 10 cards, and I'm sure they've been testing already, but uh, we're just going to kind of pick their brain a little bit, see what kind of prepe- uh, prep they've been doing, and see what their thoughts on Opus 10 are, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we're going to be doing that pretty much each week leading up to Worlds, so it's going to be a good time. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait. It's going to be some, some fun content. Indeed. Well, with that being said, guys, I'm out of here. Until next time, take care. Time to eat some breakfast! Hey everybody, thanks for listening once again to the RVA Returners podcast. If you like this content and you want to hear more, check us out on YouTube at RVA Returners. And make sure you follow us on SoundCloud and check us out on Google Play and iTunes.